If uh, you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn those to uh, Luke chapter 1. We are continuing our series entitled Unexpected. Most of us are familiar with the Christmas story. In fact, uh, some of us are so familiar uh, with it that we miss or forget that God's actions in it are totally unexpected. We fail to appreciate the drama that was unfolding. God was coming to be with us as one of us, the word made flesh. And in the story, there are angelic appearances and magi come from a far land and uh, the virgin birth. And for those of us who know the story, those things really don't surprise us uh, anymore because we know the story too well. So we think, of course, those things happen because they've always been a part of the story. But this was a moment in history that nobody saw coming. Uh, The world has never been the same since. And we continue to feel the impact of the birth of Jesus to uh, this day. And so this morning is about unexpected joy. And we've asked um, Addison Kramer to read the scripture of the morning. So Addie, if you can make your way on up, there you are. And as she does, I'm going to ask everyone to please stand if you're able and face the center of the room. And we stand because we believe that this is the word of God. And so, Addie, whenever you are ready, please read from Luke chapter 1. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Addie, great job. You may be seated. When you try to picture God, um, what images come to mind? You know, God is all-powerful, and God is wise, and God is a God of mercy and love. He's a God of justice and judgment. So when you think about what God is like, what images does that bring uh, to mind? You know, one of the most common terms that we use to talk about God is God as Father. Now, I did some in-depth research by going to Google and doing a Google search, and so I Googled God as Father, and I found all sorts of images like these. God as Father is a wise old man, and that wise old man image is probably the most common picture of God in the Western culture. And there were dozens and dozens of pictures like these in my Google search. And when we look at these pictures, we see that this is a serious God, this is a no-nonsense God, God is to be revered, and these are reverent images, but there is something important missing from God in these pictures. Where is the joy? God has no joy 
in these images. I found literally dozens and dozens of depictions of God as Father, and not one of them had any hint of joy. Does God ever smile? Does God ever laugh? Does God ever delight in anything at all? And just a quick little side note, these are images of God as Father. I'm a father. There's lots of fathers in the room. There's grandfathers in the room. Hey, when our kids think of us, is this what they think? Is this the image they have of us? Now, okay, it'd be great if our kids thought we were wise. That's a good thing. But is this the experience our kids have of us as fathers? That we're, ser- we're the serious ones that never enjoy anything. And is this the image that we want our kids or grandkids to have when they think of us? I hope that my kids have countless images of me enjoying life. That when they think of me, yes, I work hard and provide and all that good stuff, but that I enjoy life. That I take pleasure in life. That I have fun. And that I delight in them. How often do your kids or grandkids see you take delight in life? Or take delight in them? How often do you smile and laugh? Or do you pretty much look like these guys? Okay, you can take away the wrinkles, take away the gray. Ladies, you can change these images to women, okay? But do these joyless pictures capture how others see you? You know, after Googling God as Father, I Googled joyful God. And do you want to know how many images of a joyful God I found? Zero. None. There were no pictures of a joyful God. There might have been one or two pictures of Jesus with a smile on his face, but that was it. So according to Google, you think you can find anything on the internet? Go ahead and Google joyful God. You will find nothing. We don't view God as joyful. And I think that's pretty accurate. Because we almost never picture God as a joyful God. And yet, God is a God of joy and delight. If you turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, it's the very beginning of the book, so it's easy to find, Genesis chapter 1. But when you look through the different things that God creates in Genesis chapter 1, these are, there are these little phrases that keep coming up over and over and over and over again. When God creates light, It says in verse 4 that God saw that the light was good. When God creates the land and the seas, in verse 10 it says God saw that it was good. When God creates the plants and the trees, verse 12 says God saw that it was good. When God creates the sun, the moon, and the stars, in verse 18 it says, and God saw that it was good. When God creates the animals, in verse 25 it says, and God saw that it was good. When God creates humanity, in verse 31 it says, God saw all he had made, and it was very good. God takes delight and joy in his creation. You see it over and over and over again. And in the Old Testament, God gives all kinds of commands. And when we think of commands, we think, you know, you shall not do this and you shall not do that. And that's true. There are a lot of commands like that. But God also gives different kinds of commands. Some of the commands he gives is that he commands the people to have festivals. 
Festivals is just a fancy name for a party. God commands us to have parties. He commands his people to celebrate. In Exodus 23, it says, three times a year, you are to celebrate a festival to me. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. For seven days, eat bread made without yeast as I commanded you. And do this at the appointed time in the month of Aviv. For in that month, you came out of Egypt. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Celebrate the festival of harvest with the first fruits of the crops you sow in your field. Celebrate the festival of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in your crops from the field. Three times a year, all the men are to appear before the sovereign Lord. Three times a year, every year, you're to come before the God, before God and celebrate. Now, I don't have time to unpack these festivals, but they were joyous celebrations. And if the men brought their families to celebrate, by the time you were 30, you had been to 90 divinely instituted parties. God commanded festivals, celebration. And God delights in his people. See, we are worried that God is angry with us, that I did this wrong and then I did that wrong. And that's true. We are sinful people who mess up routinely. But God delights in his people. Deuteronomy 30 says, Then the Lord your God will make you most prosperous in all the work of your hands and in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your land. The Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous, just as he delighted in your ancestors. God delights in his people. And God also rejoices when people come to faith. A passage that I shared a couple of weeks ago, Luke chapter 15, where Jesus says, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. If there is rejoicing when one sinner repents and that rejoicing is done in the presence of the angels, well then who is the one rejoicing? God is the one rejoicing. Now, in the whole world, how many people are going to come to faith in Jesus today? In the whole world. How often is there a sinner coming to faith in this world? Probably all the time. Think about it. In the whole world, how often is someone coming to faith in Jesus? Probably this very moment, somewhere, somehow in the world, that is happening. Which means what's happening all the time? God is rejoicing all the time. Because there's always a sinner coming to repentance. And so God is continuously rejoicing. Now God is to be worshipped. Because he is more powerful than we can understand, he is to be worshipped because he's more wise than we can understand. God is to be worshipped because he's more righteous than we can understand. But God is to be worshipped because he is more joyful than we can understand. It is beyond our comprehension how joyful our God is. He is always rejoicing always delighting and always taking pleasure in his creation, in us. Even though we're, we are sinful, even though we need to repent, 
Even though we routinely, routinely do wrong, God takes delight in us. That's good news. God is always taking delight in us. And that God of joy brings unexpected joy. Now, in your Bibles, if you go back to Luke chapter 1, back to the story of Mary and Elizabeth, Mary and Elizabeth both experienced joy in darkness because Mary and Elizabeth, they are living in darkness. They are living in a time when the Roman Empire is occupying their country. And the Romans, to say the least, were not nice to the Jewish people. Elizabeth, on top of that, is a barren woman. She's old and she's never had any kids. And then on the other hand, you have Mary, who is a virgin, pledged to be married to a young man named Joseph, and she's found to be with child before her and Joseph are married, and the baby isn't Joseph's. Now, a definition of joy is a feeling of delight or jubilation because of well-being, because of success, and good fortune. Well, where is that well-being and good fortune and success for Mary and Elizabeth? Well, God brings it unexpectedly. You know, in the passage immediately preceding the one Addie read, Mary is told that she is going to give birth to the Messiah. And the Messiah was the Savior the Jewish people had longed hoped for. And she is also told that her relative Elizabeth, who is barren, is also expecting a child. And then it moves into the passage that Addie read this morning. In Luke chapter 1, verses 39 and 40, where it says, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. In all of her darkness, Mary excitedly hurries to go see Elizabeth. And my guess is that she is both excited and scared at the same time. And the passage continues. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, she says. And so... Mary arrives where Elizabeth lives. Elizabeth, the old barren woman who is now pregnant, and Elizabeth's baby leaps in her womb, leaps for joy at the presence of Mary and the baby in Mary's womb. And Elizabeth's baby, for those of you who don't know, turns out to be John the Baptist. And the passage continues. In a loud voice, she, Elizabeth, exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So Elizabeth, she feels favored by the presence of Mary. Mary, the mother of her Lord, who isn't even born yet. And I can only imagine how giddy these two women must have been. One an older lady, the other probably a young teenager, and in the middle of their darkness, God brings unexpected joy to both of these women. The God of joy brings it to them in a way they never expected. God is a God of unexpected joy. Unexpected joy, like 
if the Packers were to beat the Bears today. That would bring me unexpected joy. I don't know why I said that this service, but for some reason, spirit moved. Couldn't, couldn't help myself. That was the world of Mary and Elizabeth. The God of joy brings them joy unexpectedly. What about our world? God is aware of the darkness in our world too. The pain of our world, the suffering in our world. In fact, God is more aware of it than we are. But somehow, even though the evil in our world troubles God greatly, so much so that he felt compelled to come to us as one of us, that God brings unexpected joy to it. And what about your world? God is aware of the darkness in your world, too. And sometimes, no matter how much we pray, God doesn't always take the darkness away like we expect him to. And we know that from experience, but we also see it in the story. Mary and Elizabeth, they continued to live in darkness. The Romans still ruled in their land and would for their entire lives. And they would continue to be cruel to the Jewish people. And Mary still has to live with being with child out of wedlock, which in her culture meant being ostracized for her life. So they continued to live in darkness, and yet God brought joy to them in it. Romans chapter 12 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. God is joyful in the midst of so much evil. But how can we, how can we be joyful in the midst of so much trouble? Another, basically what that passage is saying, another way to say Romans 12, 21, is don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. Well, how do we do that? The good news isn't that God takes all of our darkness away. The good news is that Jesus works in our darkness to bring us joy, unexpected joy that God gives, empowers us through the darkness. James 1 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. God doesn't change. Just as he brought joy in the darkness to Mary and Elizabeth, he will bring just the right gift to you at just the right time. Probably in a way that you don't expect to get you through your darkness. His plan to save the world was to have the son born to a virgin. And the one to announce his Messiah's coming was born to a barren woman. Not what you would expect. So when you wonder how God will bring joy to you, count on God doing it unexpectedly. The joy that God brings will come to us unexpectedly, but the joy that God brings will come to you. Please pray with me. And Lord, we thank you 
that you are a God of immeasurable joy in ways that we cannot even understand how you delight in so much of your creation and delight in us despite of our sinfulness. And Lord, I would ask that this Christmas season, you would reinstill in us that sense of joy. Lord, all of us are walking through some kind of darkness, and for some of us, it's darker than it is for others. And I would ask that your spirit in this moment would encourage them, would touch their hearts, and would let them know that your gift is coming so that they may once again experience joy in their darkness. Lord, we thank you for every good and perfect gift you give us. And it's in the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. And receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.